The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed from their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. When we hear this Celebration Day epiphany, like what, what comes to mind? Maybe the idea of like epiphany, like boom, I have an epiphany, I have a thought, I have this idea. But epiphany properly defined is a manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. That's actually the very first definition that comes up. So it's, a, it's recognized as a, as a Christian um, reality. So this manifestation, right, the fact that something that clearly embodies, right, so Christ's embodiment, his becoming flesh, is now being shown, revealed, to the Gentiles who, in this scenario, are represented by the Magi. The Magi were non-believers. They were coming from, from other countries. Um, so the fact that that's so important is because when we look at salvation history, we look at the covenants that have existed, right? Adam and Eve, um, Noah, Abraham, Moses, uh, David, Jesus. We see all of these covenants. We see that they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and more and more people are included into them. More and more people are invited. The final step was the Gentiles, the non-believers. Because Christ came for all, and so his manifestation, his being revealed to them, is, is the opportunity for us to come to be a part of the family. So Epiphany is actually a really important thing because it's probably the reason that we are here now, because in our own timelines, in our history, someone in our family it was revealed who Christ was, and they made the choice to follow after him. They were seeking him. Also recognize that with Epiphany, and there's a lot of the celebrations we've had lately, that it's kind of hard to figure out, like, what's this timeline look like? So I want to do a quick recap of the timeline. We go back and we start with the Annunciation. Gabriel goes to Mary and announces she'll be the mother of God. All right. Another angel shows up to Joseph and says, hey, stay with Mary. Do not leave her. Um, Stay with her, all right? Then, Caesar Augustus, right, he declares a census, which makes the Holy Family have to travel from their home to Bethlehem. 
So this, so Annunciation, nine months you're going by, okay, roughly. Angel, gave, uh, angel shows up to Joseph, stay with Mary within those nine months, okay. They have to travel down to Bethlehem from Nazareth, which is probably like a 40, 50 mile trip, right? Either walking or donkeys. They get to, to Bethlehem. Jesus is born, so that puts us in like where we're at right now. Angels appear to shepherds that night. They go to encounter him. They're the first to, to encounter the Savior. So the Israelite people are, are shown through the shepherds. Eight days after his birth, it uh, was, was is as Jewish custom. Jesus is taken to the temple to be circumcised. So we have his birth. Eight days later, he's taken up from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. So that's about a, a six and a half mile trip. He's circumcised. He's introduced and presented in the temple. Simon and Anna prophesies about him. And now we get into like where we're at here. So we're still within this like short time after his birth. The Magi, they come to Jerusalem. They meet Herod. They ask where he's at. They figure out he's in Bethlehem. They travel down. They present him their gifts. And then Joseph is warned to take the family and flee to Egypt. Now Egypt from Bethlehem is like 430 miles away. Right, so we've got a lot of travel going on here. But this is still within like, like a couple of weeks. So Joseph married Jesus. They flee to Egypt. During that time, Herod um, declares that every two-year-old boy or younger to be killed because he's afraid of the Messiah. So they're all murdered. And then an angel appears to Joseph that says you can go back home. And the question is like, well, how long did they stay in Egypt? because they waited until Herod died. It could have been as short as a few weeks or a couple months. It could have been as long as a couple years that they were in Egypt, and then they traveled back. So that kind of gives us a little perspective of where the epiphany falls in all this, because, you know, we hear about all these celebrations, and we're like, what's, what's the timeline? Now, does that necessarily enhance our faith or not? I don't know, but I like to know those things, so now you get to know those things. But let's look at the, the, the Magi in particular. Let's look at like, what they did today. Because they had these gifts they brought. And these gifts are significant for us as well. In one sense, their gifts have uh, like a deeper meaning, an allegorical meaning. So in one way, they signify the mystery of Christ in the flesh. They, they show how God becoming in the flesh uh, relates to us. And so gold is a symbol of royalty. Right? So it represents the kingship of Jesus. Frankincense was used in the worship of God, so it points to his divinity. A lot like when we use incense at Mass, uh, highlights the divinity of God. And then, of all the gifts, myrrh, right? Weird, weird gift to give a baby, because it's a burial ointment. But it actually signifies the humanity of Christ. So you have his kingship, you have his divinity, you have his humanity represented in those gifts. But they also mean something for us and how we can relate to God. So gold is Christ's wisdom shining on us. The fact that Christ wants to share wisdom with us, that's, that's represented through the gold. The frankincense is prayer and adoration, how we offer praise to God. And then the myrrh is actually daily sacrifices that we can offer for our relationship with him to, to grow in that. So we see that there's uh, wisdom, we see that there's uh, prayer and adoration, and we see that there's daily sacrifices, all in these gifts. Now, what else did the Magi do, okay? They 
searched for Jesus. And I'm sure for each of us in our lives, we have searched for Jesus. I'm also certain that in times we have chosen to not search for Jesus, to kind of cut him out. And so the, the question that maybe comes to mind here is, how do we search for him and why should we? But also, how have we cut him out and why did we? And let's start with hows. So how do we search for Jesus? It begins very simply by just making a choice. To say, today, Lord, I'm going to look for you. You know, it's, it's as basic as that. And then the ways that we can do that are, are multiple, right? You can use scripture, which is God's word. You can use the sacraments, which, which are tangible encounters. You can have conversations with people about faith. You can read books. You can watch videos. You can listen to podcasts all through formed.org. But it's true, right? Like you can enhance, we can enhance ourselves in all these ways. This is how we can search for him. Well, then it's like, okay, I know how to. Like, why would I bother wasting my time on that? Because it will transform our lives. It will require within us a change. It directs us to something that has an even greater joy and hope. It allows us to have someone to relate to when we are distressed or sorrowful or, or upset it gives us a moral compass for life. And it reminds us that we're a part of God's creation. Because the creator, the one who made us, wants us to look for him. So that's how and why we can look for him, that we can incorporate him. But at the same time, how do we cut him out? And why do we cut him out? Well, we cut him out by sinning. That's a very basic answer. Um, think of like idol worship, you know. No one as of late has been making golden calves in Wabash, which is good, but, you know, how we, how we look at technology, how we seek after fame, how we uh, look to acquire power and money and all these different things, that can become its own form of idol worship, and it's also just like we cut them out by just not choosing him. I just, I just don't care. Jesus, I don't need you in my life. I don't need mass. I'm, I'm a person I can find you in the world, and like, yes, because he made that. However, he also gave us a church. He gave us a community. He gave us a place to come and centralize, um, to be directed and focused. And so maybe the more important question on this is why do we cut him out? I think one reason is that it's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. Amen? Like it's not an easy thing, but God didn't promise easy. He promised aid, but not ease. Also, we cut them out because maybe it requires more from me. It, it re makes me have to like, actually choose something different than what I've been doing. Um, and maybe the biggest one, I have to admit my own failure. Nobody likes to admit they're wrong, but it's okay. Because it's in our failure we see growth. The beauty of the Magi today is that they show us why it's so good to search after him. Again, these were Gentile men. These were non-believers. These were guys that studied the stars, and it was by finding a star, they're like, oh, we're going to go look for this, this kid. Who does that, right? But in the search for Jesus, it changed their life to the point that they're like, hey, we have these gifts to give you. We want to shower you with the fact that you are royal, that you are divine, that you are human, and that for the same people that will encounter you, they receive wisdom. They 
deserve to offer you praise and worship. They can give daily sacrifices. Like, this is us. So whether we're choosing to search for him, whether we've, we've chosen to cut him out, we have a choice to make today. And, and here's the challenge for the week, really. The challenge is, is first and foremost, to make a radical decision to search for him. Just, just to start, like, okay, Lord, I'm going to radically search for you. I still don't really know how I'll do it, but I guess I'll use some of those examples Father Jay said by using the sacraments or reading scripture or watching videos, listening to books and podcasts through form.org. So we make that radical choice. But now, let's think about the second challenge, right? Think of the gifts that the Magi brought and how we can use those gifts as, as reminders in our daily lives. So first is uh, the, the, the gold, Share faith with someone this week. That's wisdom, right? Sharing faith, sharing wisdom. Share with someone. And you can use your spouse if you want to. You can use a friend, a neighbor, a sibling, a child. doesn't matter. You can be a stranger. It can be me. No one ever wants to talk to me, but I'll listen. Pretty good at that. Share faith with someone this week. Okay, that's one option. Second option. Spend time in the church outside of mass times. In case you didn't know, the church is unlocked from the morning until 8 p.m. It's always available. Generally. Yes, always. But you can come in and just like be in the quiet. Offer that praise. Offer that adoration. You could do it out in nature. That's totally great too. It's a little cold some days, but it's fine. But open the Bible. Read some scripture. Like spend time in prayer. The last one is make a sacrifice this week. Choose this week to say, I'm not going to hit my snooze button. Choose this week to say, I will give up coffee. Now, if you need coffee to function and be a nice human being, please do not give up coffee. (laughs) If you don't need it for those reasons, then yes, give up the coffee. But don't give up something that's going to make you a worse person. Those three things, right? Gold, sharing faith frankincense, offering prayer, myrrh, some type of sacrifice. All of that would be pointless if we don't make the radical choice to search for him. But this is the thing, brothers and sisters, we have the daily opportunity to search. We have the daily opportunity to discover. And through the example of these magi, we are reminded over and over, like, the search is good. The search will requires something of us. It will transform us. It will change us. It will require us to admit other things, but it'll also bring us joy and hope and, and consolation. So that's the challenge. Radically choose to search for him, sharing faith, offering prayer, offering sacrifice, because we are now in this new covenant. We are in this new relationship and the Lord wants to share with us so we must share with him.